Well, you know, there was one guy in there, so that's that statement. So let me tell you about some of these people. You know, Marvin Miller was an absolutely wonderful person who was, uh, and I'm sure some of you are familiar with his name, and why is he considered one of the three greatest men in baseball history uh, by no less than Red Barber? He used to broadcast all those games with the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, an absolutely iconic announcer and authority on the game. Well, Marvin Miller um, was a guy that... Uh, didn't like to see injustice. Um, he wasn't a lawyer. He was a labor. He was an economist, and for many years he was in the Steelworkers Union, where Walter Ruther was the president of the Steelworkers Union. And Marvin Miller saw that the baseball players uh, weren't being treated properly. Why? Because there was the reserve clause that held them to a team. That's very unlike the usual landscape uh, in uh, the economy of America, where a person can bargain for what they're worth. Um, Ted Williams was paid pretty handsomely, $100,000, uh, and everybody thought that was a lot of money. But it really wasn't because uh, as, as anybody who uh, went out to the ball game here in Boston when Ted Williams played knew that many of those thousands every day turned up to see him and they'd stick around even if the Sox were getting clubbed to death just to see him bat one more time. Uh, he was a great batsman and had a great uh, personality, so... Uh, people would stay. And uh, in today's circumstances, he would be paid, as you know, like other stars are, not $100,000, but tens of millions of dollars. You can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it certainly is American for people to be able to argue for what their services are worth, whether you're a movie star, a businessman, or whatever you are. And so Miller saw that, and he knew the labor law because of his work at the Steelworkers Union, and he knew that uh, the players, if they were represented properly, would win their case. And uh, to make a long story very short, he took over the head of the uh, baseball players uh, organization in the 70s and through a series of court cases and arbitration decisions, changed it all around so that what is happening today, where there is free agency, is all the result of Marvin Miller. Now, he was demonized in the press because the owners had good connections to uh, the uh, editors of newspapers and things like that. And everybody said, oh, Marvin Miller, he's a, an aggressive guy. He's, uh, he's a, a guy that wants to be the commissioner. He's ambitious. So, I, you know, when I came to meet him, I didn't know what to expect. Well, what I found was they, they have a word in uh, Yiddish called Hamish, which uh, a Hamish guy, which means – a mensch, a good guy, the guy that does the right thing, a di uh, you know, a man that is interested in other people more than he's interested in himself. So I sat down with Marvin Miller, and I I uh, talked to him, and he ha he was 90 at the time. He had an appointment to go to the doctor. We got so interested in the conversation, he signaled to his wife, who was in the room, to break the appointment, and I never turned off the digital voice recorder for three hours. And at the beginning, I started saying to myself, gee, this guy is so soft-spoken and so nice. And I, be I began to feel, you know, friendly toward him um, because I never knew him before that day. And then uh, after a little while, he was almost like he was uh, an uncle. And after a while, it was like he was a grandfather. And I just loved him right from the beginning. And that's the kind of man he was. And it was easy for me then to understand why he took over this position. Everybody said, what are you doing that for? Why do you, you know, you're going from the steel workers union. Why do you want to represent the ball players? That's a, that's a losing game. He said, no, he said, they're not being treated properly. 
And so uh, he he did that, and uh, he just uh, uh, was was a great person to talk to. Very informative, very patient. Came from a ordinary, uh, you know, not well-to-do family in Brooklyn, and uh, he uh, he knew he knew, he was a social worker sort of before he went to the Seal Workers Union. He didn't like people to be mistreated by the authorities. Uh, and I became friendly with him, and you know we stayed friendly for the remaining five years of his life. Even though I'm in Boston and he was in New York, and when I called him about uh, a few weeks before he died. He wasn't coming to the phone, but his daughter told him I was on the phone, and he came to the phone. And the reason he came to the phone was because you know the the owners have conspired up to the time of his death, and since then the baseball owners not to admit him to the Hall of Fame where he should be to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I, he told me, and so in the last year of his life, he told me that uh, he was invited down to Washington, D.C. because in, in his work with the Steelworkers Union, he was friendly with Arthur Goldberg. And Arthur Goldberg, as you know, became a justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. And then Lyndon Johnson asked him to step down, uh, which he probably shouldn't have done, to become ambassador to the United Nations. And uh, what happened is that... Uh, the Supreme Court was uh, at George Mason University in Washington D.C. was uh, putting up portraits at, you know, on the, in the Supreme Court of the various justices, and they got around to Arthur Goldberg, and they decided that since his work at the Steelworkers Union was so intertwined with that of Marvin Miller, that they ought to do a portrait of Marvin Miller as well. And they did do a portrait of Marvin Miller. And uh, they wanted him to come to Washington, D.C. to see it unveiled. And by that time, he was too once too sick to do that. So they, they had the ceremony in New York at NYU Law School. And can you believe it? Marvin Miller at 90 got up and talked off the top of his head about various issues for well over an hour. Um, and there were 150 people of all descriptions, but mostly foremost people in the room at that time. And that was only six months before he passed away. And uh, so then um, I, by that time, had written my chapter in the book for Marva, about Marvin Miller. But then when he told me that he had appeared there uh, and I looked behind it, I realized that uh, this was something that should be added to the book, uh, that um, uh, that he was uh, honored in such a way to have his portrait hanging next to a, uh, a Supreme Court justices and among all the other Supreme Court justices at the Supreme Court of the United States. So that's why I called him up a few weeks before he died to read him that. And I, he listened to it and I read it to him. And I remember the words I ended the addition to the story, which just got in under the deadline uh, of the University of Nebraska Press. Uh, Marvin Miller, good enough for the Supreme Court of the United States, but not good enough for the Baseball Hall of Fame. So Marvin Miller was a great guy.